Hey, welcome to Hoops Coaching A to Z with me. Whoa, whoa, hang on. Let's let a professional handle this. <laughs> this is Hoops Coaching A to Z with my husband, Coach Terry Canova. This is a deep dive into all things coaching. Come join us as we visit with some of the best coaching minds in the business to help grow our profession. Here you go, honey. Back to you. This week, we sit down with Coach Mark Godfrey. He's out of coaching for a little while, and we talk about his time getting in the business, working for Jim Herrick, the legendary Jim Herrick, and really just everything surrounding that, uh, getting in the business, being a good assistant coach, being loyal, the whole deal. I think this is a good episode for young coaches to listen to about what it takes to get into the business and have a long, successful career. So here we are with Coach Mark Gottfried. Well, welcome this week's episode. I've got a good friend, uh, Coach Mark Gottfried. I got to know Mark uh, several years back. His dad, uh, Coach Joe Gottfried, dear, dear friend of mine, and was my boss at South Alabama. Got to know Mark. Ironically, Mark played a little high school basketball at the the school that I am currently at. And so... uh, Got to know each other. Good guy, great coach. Um, and uh, we're going to sit down and talk a little bit with uh, Coach Mark Godfrey. What's up, Coach? Oh, everything's good, Terry. Glad to be with you today. Yeah, man. Yeah. So uh, we've uh, been wanting to have you on here. And ironically, I'm out uh, doing my little side hustle, uh, refereeing a little football. And lo and behold, there you are, you and your pops watching, <laughs> your, uh, watching your nephew play some uh, flag football, huh? Yeah, that was my time to yell at the refs one more time. I had to yell at him. <laughs> it was a bad call. <laughs> I think I think the game ended up as a tie, didn't it? Oh. <laughs> there we go. We're all winners. That you know, that's how you you I've learned to officiate youth sports. Uh end up as a tie and uh, n- nobody's mad at you. <laughs> that's good. So so Mark Godfrey uh, spent some time at uh, well uh, as an assistant at UCLA, then went over to Murray State, Alabama, NC State, Cal State, Northridge. Spent a little time uh, with the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, but coach, let's talk about the beginning of your coaching um, under Coach Jim Herrick at UCLA. Eight seasons, won an NCAA championship in 1995. There, um, tell us a little bit about your time with Coach Herrick. Well, it was interesting, Terry, when I first, uh, you know, I had been drafted by Detroit and I was playing in the Los Angeles Summer League. Now the NBA Summer League's in Las Vegas and it's a pretty big deal. But, you know, back in those days, we played at Loyola Marymount right there in L.A. And I sent a bunch of letters out to coaches uh, all over the country that I wanted to start coaching. And, uh, you know, this was pre-cell phone eras and we didn't have cell phones. And I remember going back to the hotel one night and I had the that little red blinking light on the phone, you know, in the hotel said I got a message uh, to call my mother. And uh, so I called back to Mobile, Alabama, and my mom said, there's this guy, Jim Herrick, just trying to track you down and uh, wants to talk to you. And so what I did, Terry, is in the next morning, I just got up and got in a taxi and uh, said, take me to UCLA. And I walked right in his office and shook his hand. And he didn't know me from, you know, Adam. And and uh, I said, uh, Coach, I'm Mark Godfrey. And uh, 
I want to coach with you here at UCLA. And he ended up uh, giving me an opportunity to be a graduate assistant. And then during the next couple of years, we had a couple of coaches get uh, head coaching jobs, the assistants uh, that became head coaches. And so I got promoted up and I ended up staying there seven years, Terry. It was a great run and I uh, loved UCLA. It was a great place to learn and learn under him and got to know John Wooden uh, very well. Uh, but then in 95, we just had a magical run. You know, we go 31 and two. Uh, won the national championship, beat Arkansas in, uh, in the uh, championship game. And it was just it was just one of those things. You know, sometimes when you're young, you think, oh, this will happen again in my life. You know, I'm going to do this a lot of times, you know, and you realize how hard it is to, to get to that point, get to that level. But um, so I'm very appreciative of my time at UCLA. It was a terrific time, and I learned so much, met great people. And then Jim Herrick, who hired me, uh, you know, he became a good friend. My, my whole coaching career, he was always kind of a mentor and somebody I could call and ask questions and talk to. And uh, anyway, it was just a terrific time. You, you know, there, there are a bunch of common themes in, in doing these podcasts. And it's, it's, it's great when, because we're at episode, I don't know, man, uh, you'll be episode 31 or 32, whatever it is. And, and there's so many common threads. And just th- that little bit there you're talking about, as as young coaches listening, man, don't be afraid to to walk over to that high school and ask to volunteer. Don't be afraid to walk over to that university and ask that coach to watch practice. I mean, my my career started 32 years ago uh, on a much lower scale, but but walking over to Ruston High School and meeting with the high school coach and saying, "Hey, coach, I I want to coach. You know, can can I be part of your program?" And then you know, as like you said with Coach Herrick, it involves. Not only you working for him, that's your boss, and you're learning from him, from him as your mentor, but then you become friend. And 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 I'm sure throughout your career, Coach Herrick has probably made calls for you to help you get a job or or make a recommendation for you or or, or a player for you to look at or, or this that and the other. And so, just so many common threads there that man, just just get out there uh, and and talk to people and meet people and meet contacts and, and just so much comes from that. Well, I think you're right, Terry. Like when I became a head coach much later, you know, I always appreciated, um, you know, guys, especially young guys that wanted to get into the business that would just come and basically say, man, I'll do anything. I want to learn. I mean, I, uh, I'll rebound for players. I'll mop the floors if you want me to, I'll fold laundry. I don't care. I just want to coach and be involved. And, uh, as a head coach later in life, I, I appreciate those guys. And I hired a lot of guys that way, uh, that they're aggressive. Uh, they're not afraid. Um, you know, they're going to go for it. And um, and then I think what, what we do and, and you've done as a head coach for a long time is you, you end up rewarding people like that, you know, and you give them an opportunity and then you can help them uh, along their path, along their journey. You know, I've had so many guys that I've worked that have worked for me over the years that have become head coaches. Um and not only do you help them in their career, but you end up becoming good friends, you know, with a lot of people like that. But, you know, it starts off with just, you know, being aggressive and not sitting back and not being passive. And it's like anything else, you know, when you, you got a passion to do something, you got to go for it. And uh, you can't be afraid also uh, to, to, you know, hear no. You know, sometimes, especially in coaching, there's only so many seats on the bench. There's only so many things, you know, and we all know a lot of people, but I, I can't hire everybody. 
And I was fortunate that Jim Harry gave me a chance. He later told me there was, you know, 300 people wrote him letters about being just a graduate assistant coach. And somehow or another, you know, he kind of picked my, my letter out of the pile. And, uh, you know, now we've had a, you know, close to 35, 38 year friendship from that. So, you know, you just never know, you know, how something's going to turn out, but I think you're, you're giving uh, great advice, you know, to young people, uh, go for it. It's like you would in anything else. And, and, uh, sometimes, you know, you end up might hear no, and sometimes you hear yes, and, but you gotta, you gotta give yourself a chance. Yeah. It, it, it um, uh, I, I think a lot of it is, I mean, we know coach, uh, you got to really, really want to be a coach first off, uh, because of the, the commitment, uh, the the time it takes the the time away from family i mean god you know as well as i do man it, it it's a grind it's it's a t- it's a tough deal and and i think in a lot of aspects that's where as a coach or you looking to hire someone when someone essentially walks in your office and is willing to do it for free you know it says a little bit about how bad they want to do it because you know, we've we've had stories on here. You know, Bobby Champagne was on here on an episode, talked about one of his first jobs, and and uh, you know, meet, meeting Kelvin Sampson way back when. And and next thing you know, Kelvin calls him this past summer. You know, and now Bobby's part of a Elite Eight team, and and uh, and 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 my deal. You know, taking a job for for practically nothing to get my my foot in the door. You know, it. it it you, you really got to want to do it and you got to want to do it almost for free in many cases. But, but then man, once you prove yourself, once you prove to, to your boss and, and the people around you that, Hey, you know, I'm going to grind for you. I'm going to be loyal. I'm going to go to work and, and, and there's no, no holding back. Then you're in man. And, and, and then you're in for life. Yeah. And I think you just mentioned a great word, you know, that, you know, if you're loyal, you know, one thing too, Terry, I've, I've learned over the years is that, um, boy, you appreciate the people that are loyal. In other words, they understand that they gave you an opportunity. You know, somebody gave you an opportunity, Terry, you know, along the way. And it's not just one person, you know, somebody hired you at some point, there was a principal, there was a, there was an AD, there was, you know, who knows, you know, somebody gave you a chance. And I think what happens to a lot of people is you, it always has bothered me that sometimes you forget that those people helped you. They didn't have to help you. Yeah. You did a great job. You know, I, I gave you a chance. You came in and you busted your butt and you did a good job, but you know, I could have hired anybody and Jim Herrick could have hired anybody to give me my first, you know, starting coaching. And so I think for, for us in, in any profession, especially in coaching is never to forget about those people that have helped you along the way. Cause we, we've all gotten to a certain place, you know, as head coaches, where, yeah, you're a good coach. Like, you know, I, I've watched your teams over the year, Terry. You do a phenomenal job. You're a great coach. But people have helped you, you know, along the way. They've helped me. You know, people gave me an opportunity. People taught me uh, things about coaching. You know, I've learned from a lot of people. And then as you get older, you start to, you know, appreciate those guys that are just loyal. And, you know, <clears throat> just to, you know, being appreciative of the opportunity, being thankful that somebody gave you an opportunity, instead of somebody else. And uh, that's always just been something that's been instilled uh, in me by my dad, you know, who was an athletic director. And, um, you know, those are qualities I just think that, uh, 
I always liked that as a head coach, you know, guys that just appreciated that. And you don't forget the people that helped you along the way. I think that's important. Yeah, there's no, no question. I, I actually shared something on Twitter. I, I saw yesterday. It's a little two minute video. It's on, it's on my Twitter. Uh, and it was, um, it was a guy who, um, who uh, it was, it was, I think his Ole Miss, maybe Ole Miss's coach is sharing his story about a guy that was shot down in, in, in a war, maybe World War II or something like that. And talking about uh, years later, he runs into the guy who actually packed his parachute. So when, when this top <laughs> gun guy is shot down, you know, the parachute saves him essentially, you know, yeah. and, and he actually meets the guy and it, and it he, it, wow. he just talks about how he's reminded that, you know, I walked by this guy on the ship probably, you know, a hundred times and never thanked him for packing my parachute, but then wow. that parachute saved my life. And, and so, you know, you, you need, need to find that on Twitter. It's, it's, it's a great story, but, but, and so as I shared it, that's one of the things I said is, is thank you to everyone who, who has helped pack my parachute. Cause, cause you're wow. right, man. It's, it's, it's the, the guy who gave you a chance. It's your assistant coaches who grinded with you. It was your players who busted their tails for you. It's people you met at, at coaching clinics and, 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 and wherever and, and shared information, uh, you know, sat in, sat in a bar and got the salt and pepper shakers and the hot sauce and, and, and helped, helped you grow. And, and it's all of those people that, that you know, uh, helped you pack your parachute, man. I love that analogy, and it's a great one. And it's true. It's just so true, Terry. And uh, in any profession, but especially, you know, in coaching. You know, coaching is such a fragile profession. Uh, you know, I remember at Alabama, uh, you know, I was the head coach there and uh, the first coaching staff. I was there 11 years. How about this? And had five different head football coaches during an 11-year period at the University of Alabama. And, uh, you know, on Mike DuBose's staff, I got to know – uh, Joe Kynes, he was a great defensive coordinator, uh, bounced around the SEC, just a phenomenal person. But, you know, they got fired at one point. I, I remember standing there in front of the Coliseum in Tuscaloosa, and he said, Mark, just remember, this is a this is a great profession, coaching is, but it can be a bad business at times. And, you know, he was so true and that, you know, this is a it is a great profession, but sometimes it's a tough business. It's hard business. It's a very public business. Now, everybody has an opinion. Uh, they come to watch your team play, Terry, and they sit in the crowd and they can't figure out why you didn't go zone or man or why you're playing this player instead of that player. And especially parents now, they they could be the toughest ones uh, out there. But you know, you you uh, you do the best you can with the decisions that you have to make. And you know, in coaching, you're not going to make everybody happy. You can't. It's impossible. Um, but you know, uh, it's just a great profession, and it's a hard profession. You know, there's a lot of young people that want to go into coaching and they want to, they want to be on television and they want to, you know, be the next Nick Saban or the next, you know, John Wooden, but they don't understand all the steps that, that you have to take to get from where you are as a young person to that point. And there's a lot of luck involved as well. You have to understand that, you know, sometimes you just got to be a little bit lucky and maybe get a great player. And, and like you said, I, I loved what you just said. You know, thanking those people and, and, you know, don't forget to thank your players. Now, you know, there's some player that made a big shot at the end of the game to, to win the game and could have easily missed the shot, but they made it. Yeah. And uh, your team wins the championship or whatever it is you do. And, you know, sometimes as coaches, we get to where we think we did everything sitting over there on the bench, you know, <laughs> and we don't realize that somebody out there made the basket. 
and, uh, you know, or made the steal or got the rebound or whatever it might be. And I think, especially for me, Terry, as I've gotten older, I've, I've, I've really started to look back and appreciate these guys probably more than maybe I, uh, I should have early on. You know, I had some eight Alabamas, some great, great players who were great, great guys. Like, you know, in 2002, we won the SEC championship and, and a lot of people, you know, don't realize that Alabama, Terry, how about this? They, they won a championship, SEC basketball championship. I think it was in 76, CM Newton did. Uh, Wimp Sanderson won the regular season championship in 87. I played on that team. And then I had a team in 2002 win the championship. Those are only three championships, regular season championships, Alabama's won since 1976. Wow. So it's not easy. It's hard. It's really, really hard. And it's not something that's happening just every year. And, you know, I look back on our team and we had good players, but boy, they were great dudes, man. I mean, you talk about high character guys that uh, got better. They wanted to be coached. And so, you know, we had a reunion a few months back uh, in Tuscaloosa. Well, I just wanted to make sure those players knew how much I appreciated. You know, I may not have, who knows, you know, th- those things like that, it, it launches and, you know, kind of trampolines you, you know, into the next position. Yeah. But, let's don't forget about the players that have helped us along the way that, that, uh, you know, did what you asked. They wanted to be coached. They uh, I had a team like that team in 02. Nobody ever got it. I didn't have to discipline anybody hardly ever. Um, you know, it's funny, Rod Grizzard, who was a great, great player. A lot of people won't remember him because you know, he's probably one of the most talented guys I've ever had. And I love him, you know, and we got together and, and just made sure he understands man, I, boy, how much I appreciated coaching you. Now, he was hard to coach at times, but, boy, I love him. Still love him. But And uh, I remember in the SEC tournament his uh, sophomore year, I think he had 27 at the half against wow. Tennessee in the in the Dome in Atlanta. And um, anyway, uh, getting sidetracked. But just, you know, players, too. They Players, administrators, uh, people that have hired you, your assistant coaches, yeah. I mean, think about how, you know, you've had some great ones that have helped, you know, they've helped you too. They've helped me. Oh, that's, that's why we have success. So it's a fragile profession, but it can be a fun profession too for people. It is, uh, you know, I, I don't know what else I would do. Uh, and well, actually, I, I guess if, if I could make a, a, a million dollars podcasting and just talking <laughs> to my coaching friends, that would probably be the ideal thing. But, uh, <laughs> but, but no, seriously, it, you know, it is the relationships, man. And, and, and like you say, sometimes kids are harder to coach than others. And, and, uh, but, you know, I, I don't mind saying this, you know, one of my seniors, my, my, my big kid, Dorsey Parker, man, uh, I, I love that kid. And, and as a freshman, man, she was hard to coach. And I can't tell you, and we've documented this with mom and dad, so they wouldn't mind me saying this. Man, me and dad had convers had lengthy conversations about it. Look, look, she's got to do it this way. Or I, I don't care how talented she is. She's got to do it this way. And Dorsey and I went, nose to nose to nose to nose to nose and 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 there were times where she probably thought she was in the wrong place and I there were times that I probably thought she was in the wrong place but 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 we made it through that and I think because of the the tough times it it makes our relationship now even even better because uh I I love that kid and I will do anything for her and and you know she made me look like a really good coach on many nights uh because yep. she, she went out there and battled for me and made plays and 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 did did the hard stuff for our program. 
Well, and you know, Terry, there's so many times I tell people, you know, coaching so many times is like parenting. And I have five children, um, you know, they're grown and, you know, they're out of college now, but you know, even when they were young, they're all different. They're all different. You know, there's some, some, uh, like your children, you know, they're, they're not robots. They all have different personalities. Uh, it's like coaching. Sometimes a, a player, you know, if you told them to go stand in the corner, hop on one leg for 20 minutes, they'd do it without questioning you. Now, other players that would question everything, you, everything you ask them to do, it, but that's okay. You know, that's okay. That, I think that's what becoming uh, successful in coaching, you have to understand that. You have to understand they're all different. Um, I treat them fair, but they are different. You know, we're all different as people, and we respond differently uh, to different types of coaching. And your job as a coach, and I, again, I've watched your teams over the year and gotten to know some of the players that have played for you. Um, you know, you're fair, but at the same t- time, like you said, we're going to do it this way. And for us to be successful, uh, you know, there's so many things, you know, that players have to understand, you know, how to be unselfish, you know, how to be part of a team. It's like a family. Think, think of a family, you know, you, you got to be selfless at times. Can't always be about you. You know, there are other people in this family. And then we all got to pitch in. We got to do stuff sometimes we don't really want to do. I got to do the dishes or take the trash out when I really don't want to. Right. And kind of like coaching, you know, in playing on a team. Uh, you know, you don't always get to shoot every shot or, you know, be the, the main player all the time. Sometimes your job is just to stop that other player, another team from scoring a basket for us to win. That's where I need you to help us because you can do it. You're good enough to, to do that. So there's so many correlations all the time between coaching and parenting and learning, uh, you know, how to motivate or how to put a team together and how to put a family together is very similar uh, along the way. Well, you know, one of the things I tell our parents at our team meeting every year, you know, I said, look, here's what you have to understand. Your daughter, think about how many times you asked her, ask her to clean up her room or put her dishes away or take something to the laundry room. And, and she might look at you and, and, and bat an eye or, or not want to do it. I said, now, you're asking her to do those medial things and you get, sometimes you get some, some negative responses. Now I'm asking her to do things a heck of a lot harder than that. I'm asking her to put her body in front, this other player and take a charge or dive on the floor. I said, so, so sometimes I can't be as warm and fuzzy as you are as a parent, because we asking her to do a lot harder things and we we've got to, we've got to get it done quickly. Uh, one other story, and we're going to take a break here in a second. But so Tim Miller, you're talking about uh, programs and having standards. Uh, just talked to Tim Miller in our, in our last episode. Tim Miller now, for, for our, our listeners who don't know, won a state championship at, at Jeff Davis, women's basketball coach, won a state championship, built that program. Then he goes over to uh, Bob Jones, wins a couple state championships at Bob Jones. Now he takes a team at Hazel Green. At Hazel Green, he says, I think they won two games the year before. Has a parent walk in his office and say, Coach, we can't do things like you did them at Bob Jones. You got to do <laughs> things differently. And so he says, you know, basically, you know, cordial to the parent and, and says, well, this is how we're going to do them and this, that, and that. This, this daddy takes his daughter and transfers. Well, fast forward now, Hazel Green has since won five straight state championships. Wow. Last year, they were 35-0. and 0. And, uh, 
and and uh, and he joked. He said uh, the funny thing is that that guy took his daughter and transferred, and her school has never beaten me since. So you know, again, it's about the a coach having a plan, and then having the people around him buy it. And and that's you know that's kind of in a nutshell. That's uh, it, right there. Not always easy to do, but that is the nutshell. Yep, yep. Well, look, Coach, we're going to take a, a quick one-minute break, and uh, we'll be right back, and uh, we're going to talk some more with Coach uh, Mark Godfrey. Want to get away for the best vacation ever? Consider a group trip, whether a cruise or an all-inclusive resort. Let Toes in the Sand Travel help you get there. There are some amazing perks for group cruisers. Trust us, we do one almost every year, and we help so many of our friends as well. For a trip of a lifetime, give us a call. You can message me on Facebook at Kimberly Tanner Canova, or you can find our Facebook page, Toes in the Sand Travel, but be sure it's the one that has our smiling faces on there. Just reach out, we'll help you. Hey honey, will you get packed we got a cruise ship waiting on us now. <laughs> Let's go. All right, we're back. I've uh, got Coach uh, Mark Gottfried here with me, and we just chat, and we're talking about hoops, talking about life, talking about uh, working under Coach Jim Harrick at, at UCLA. But before we go on to other things, you, you mentioned uh, – you know, when Coach Harrick gave you that opportunity to mount a resumes, I, I remember when, when Coach Petrie hired me at South Alabama, I walked in his office and, and he had a stack of resumes that were, uh, who knows, who knows how many, you, you know? And, and so one of the things we got to understand in this, prof this profession and young coaches, again, you got to go out and meet folks. You got to go know people. You got to go work at camps. You got to go do things for free. You got to find a way to separate yourself from those other 300 people that want that position. Because trust me, it doesn't matter where you at. There's, there's, there's people wanting to get in and you got to be willing to make a sacrifice and, and get to get noticed for sure. I don't think there's any question, Terry. And uh, again, like we talked about earlier, it's being it's being aggressive. You know, and then having a good feel for for that, like I'll, I'll come do anything. I just want to get my foot in the door. And then what you're doing after that, you're you're betting on yourself. Like if you give me an opportunity, then you know I'm gonna do a great job for you. And then as a young coach, I'm gonna learn what it is that you really want as the head coach. You know, and and uh, you know to have open ears, listen, ask good questions, work your butt off every day, and uh, then good things are probably gonna happen for you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Before we move on from Coach Harrick, uh, real quick, I mean, goodness gracious, obviously successful and is a mentor of yours and and the whole deal. If you could, uh, in a nutshell, uh, what what was some of the things that stuck out with Coach Coach Harrick? You know, as coaches, we know it's not what you teach is what you emphasize. What were a couple of his core values that 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 kind of made him great? Well, he was very loyal to his assistants. Uh, I thought the players really responded when we were there to him. Um, and I learned everybody's different. You know, that's one thing I learned early on. I can remember, you know, I had played for Wimp Sanderson at Alabama, and Wimp was a terrific coach. We went to three straight Sweet 16s as a player in the NCAA tournament, won an SEC championship. And and uh, Coach Sanderson was kind of hard driving and uh, probably didn't appreciate 
that until I was a little older. But, uh, you know, never had two days off in a row during the season. Just, you know, I practiced on Christmas Day every year that I played for him. Christmas Day, yeah. you know, Christmas morning, you know, like 11 o'clock. I mean, and, uh, you know, I get to UCLA. Uh, we're practicing that fall in October. And, you know, we go from a Monday to a Friday. And, uh, you know, we huddle them up at the end of practice. And Jim says, all right, you guys have a great weekend. I'll see you on Monday. It's Friday afternoon. And I about I, I shook my head like, what in the world? <laughs> and I said, Coach, I said, we're not going to practice on Saturday. Now, now I got to remember, it's October, you know, 20th. Right. And uh, I said, Coach, we're not going to practice Saturday? He said, Mark, I want my teams to be fresh in March, not in October. And uh, <laughs> he was really good about understanding. If I give him the whole weekend off, we come back on Monday. Now, granted, it's October. But, uh, boy, they walked back in that door Monday morning. And they were ready to practice. I mean, they were ready to go on Monday night. They practiced hard. And I can remember, I tell the story a lot, Terry, you know, in coaching, really reading your team and understanding your team. Nobody will know your team better than you as the head coach. Nobody. I don't care. There's no parent. There's no administrator that really knows your team. And, uh, you know, we get to the final four and we're going to play in, uh, we had just, uh, uh, actually, before our Elite Eight Eight game, we had beat, uh, Mississippi State in the Sweet Sixteen uh, out in Oakland, California. Now we got to play UConn uh, in the in the game in the in the Elite Elite Eight game to go to the Final Four. And UConn was an up and down the floor team, running all the time. You know, they never walked the ball up the floor. And we come down to practice uh, to uh, breakfast the morning uh, in between the games, the day before we played UConn. And, our players, uh, you know, kind of remember you know, Coach Eric asking a couple guys, you know, how you feeling? A couple guys like, yeah, I'm good, a little tired, but I'm okay. And then he said, let's just uh, stay at the hotel today. Let's just rest. Nothing's more important than our legs. And this is at the end of the season now. Yeah. We beat UConn. We go to the Final Four. We beat Oklahoma State on a Saturday afternoon. We're playing Arkansas for the national championship. National championship. Now, think about this as a coach. It also takes some uh, some courage to make a decision like this. Yeah. But uh, we're at C in Seattle. It's uh, Sunday at Sunday morning. We're playing Arkansas for the national championship. Nolan Richardson up and down the floor. They're going to press you 40 minutes, you know, 40 minutes of hell. That was their thing. And Jim knew more than anything, nothing is more important on Monday night than us having fresh legs. Mm -hmm. So, again, on that Sunday, the day before the national championship, now think about this. We stayed in the hotel. We never left the hotel. He wanted guys to lay down, watch movies. Let's just relax. And Monday night, you better be mentally fresh and physically fresh. And we go out there and beat Arkansas and win a national championship. So, you know, I learned so much. You got to, you know, you wouldn't do that all the time. Some teams you might not do that with. Some teams you trust a little bit more. But I think the the sign, too, I've always watched coaches and watched their teams. The teams that get better at the end of the year, um, you know, some teams just kind of run out of gas. So they do it every year. And you know it and I know it and other coaches you know, and you're not trying to be critical of anybody. But, you know, they work people so hard by the end of the year. They're so tired and players players are ready for it to be over because they're just pooped. And then there are other guys that have a great feel for that. They have a great feel for saying, you know, let's, let's take another day off. Let's take two days off. Maybe in the middle of late January, you know, maybe your team has had a tough, long road and let's take a couple and let's get ourselves mentally fresh. And Jim was fantastic with that. I mean, I thought he was, he was one of the best, well, he was really good at it. And our teams, I thought always got better because of it. 
And uh, but I thought that was a great one great lesson I learned from him. Well, you know, you mentioned courage. Uh, I, I think I think the key there is a coach confident in his abilities, because, you know, as well as I do, you with the second guessers out there with the media following you guys around. If if you lose to Arkansas, there's a chance that his president, his athletic director or or Paul Feinbaum or somebody like that's going to say, well, how dare you? just take a day off before the national championship and sit back and watch what you, right? So, so everybody in the world is going to second guess you. So, so many of us sometimes are guilty of doing what we think everybody expects us to do instead of reading your team and doing what's best for them. Well, I remember too, I remember he telling me early on, you know, if you, if you want to be liked, don't go into coaching. And it's so true. <laughs> Because, uh, you know, there's so many times where you got to make decisions and uh, you got to go with your gut. You know, you have to always go with your gut. I remember him telling me another one one day, he said, Mark, you know, have a hunch, bet a bunch. And he's so true. You know, like you, we in coaching sometimes. And you know what happens? And, and I'm sure you've done it. I've done it. We've all done it. Every coach has done it. You know, in your gut, you have a hunch on what you want to do. Maybe it's to play a certain player. Well, I, I know right now at this point in the game, there's two minutes to go in the game. And, you know, we've been playing, you know, man. And I, I just know in my gut, I got to go zone. And you don't do it. There's yeah. so many times we do that. And we don't follow our gut. Yeah. And we lose the game or something, you know, happens. And then you go home at night and you're, you know what your gut told you. You know, you know what your gut told you to do. And, you know, we sometimes we didn't. We didn't follow that, you know. So I think we, you make a great point. In coaching, you know, you got to, you have to have a plan. You have to be convinced of that you know, i'll tell you another thing i learned with uh, jim uh, uh herrick terry was you know he believed in the high post offense you know john wooden you know won 10 national championships at ucla back in the you know seven you know 60s and 70s and, and jim really learned the high post offense he really learned it and learned all the ins and outs and ways to, to you know uh, put your players in the right positions to score and but he believed in that offense like you believe the sun's coming up tomorrow and there was no shaking him. And I remember his young assistants, Lorenzo Romar, who's not Pepperdine. He was the head coach of Washington for years and years. Uh, Steve Lavin, who just got back in at university of San Diego, but he was the head coach at UCLA. And we were the assistants together, Lorenzo and Steve and I, and we'd come in a staff meeting. We'd have all these plays. You know, we watched the game last night on TV and, and, you know, obviously we walk into the staff. He's, Oh, we got to put this play. In. We got to put that play. in. we got to do, you know, you're, you're doing all that. And Jim would have his pencil and he'd just kind of look and nod at us. And every now and then he might say, okay, we might do that. But in his heart and in his gut, he knew or he believed in his offense. He believed it. And I think so many times in coaching, you have to project that to your players that you believe in that. They're not going to believe in it if you don't believe in it. And, you know, the other thing, you know, I think in coaching so many times a mistake that we all make is, you know, we want to, we end up being the jack of all trades, but the master of none. Yep. You know, we got 8,000 plays and 72,000 deep. I mean, we have more stuff going on and, you know, and the kids can't play anymore. Yeah, we've given them too much uh, because, yeah, I saw an out-of-bounds play last night. I was watching a Warriors game and I saw this out-of-bounds. I'm putting it in practice tomorrow, you know, and we all do that sometimes. And Next thing you know, you know, you, you look on a piece of paper and we got, you know, 29 out-of-bounds plays and you're going to use about three of them. About two of them might work real good. Right, right. <laughs> about 27 of them ain't going to work. Because you can only be so good with what you spend time in practice working on. 
you know, some teams, uh, you know, they just commit to being a full court pressing team. And you know what? They get pretty good at it. Now, they may not be very good at other parts of the game, but they're good at that. You know, some teams are really good defensively or offensively. You know, it's, it's so you only have so much time in the day to practice and get good at whatever it is you want to get good at. But Jim believed in it, Terry. He believed in that offense as, as much as you couldn't shake him off of it. And the players knew it. We knew it. And, you know, it, it had won for him. And so he wasn't the guy that was going to change everything up every week and, and uh, you know, put a whole new offense in midseason. You know, that never works. I'm telling you, that never works. And uh, so, anyway, I learned a lot from, from uh, Coach Carrick. Well, you know, uh, there's no question about his success. And, and then a, a lot of that as well, as you see, his success bleeds over. Uh, to having successful assistants in his coaching tree and, and this and that and the other. Uh, well, coach, look, the, the clock on the wall is striking. I know you, uh, you are trying to enjoy some beach time, so I'm, I'm not going to take you, take you any longer. I, I, but before we, before we wrap though, uh, you know, we got about another a minute on the wall. I'd be remiss. Uh, you know, your, your dad, you know, talking about people help uh, pack your parachute. Your dad is one of my favorite people on the planet. And, uh, you know, he was my boss there at, at South Alabama for three years when I worked for Coach Rick Petrie. And, and so, uh, you know how much I love him and he's a great guy. It was so good to see him the other night out at the flag football game. And, and uh, so you come from good stock. And, and, uh, and, and, and so I appreciate your friendship as always and, and your dad's friendship. And we'll have to get on here and do this again because uh, I'd, I'd like to get some feedback down the road with the Talk about now that you're out of the game a little bit for, for a short time, I'm sure, uh, your thoughts on the NIL and the transfer portal and all that other craziness. That's a whole podcast in itself. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. But, but thanks so much, Coach, for taking a few minutes and visiting. This was a blast. Always good chatting. And uh, let's don't, don't be a stranger. All right, Terry. Thank you for having me on. It's been a lot of fun. And yeah, you're right, man. 30 minutes goes quick. So, uh, But we had fun. We had fun. Thank you, man. All right. That's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed this episode. A big thank you to everyone who has continued to make this podcast become so popular. Please continue to share with your friends and colleagues. And when you have time, please take a minute to give it a five-star rating. Until then, we'll see you on the next episode.